I like how everybody except for Peter Venkman kind of looks like who they are. Right. I, don't you mean Egon? Because Egon bears no resemblance. I think he looks like if Harold Ramis had a blonde a blonde pompadour, I think he would look exactly like that. There was a podcast called The Sequel Cast. They talked about movies. And they talked about something else called boobies. The Sequel Cast. It's the sequel cast. It's the sequel cast. www.sequelcast.com Hello and welcome to the Sequel Cast. This is a podcast where we talk about movies and a franchise one movie at a time. This is your host, Uncle Milkshake. This is episode 25, believe it or not. 25 whopping episodes, which means absolutely nothing. So... This time around, we're doing something special. The, the last few episodes, we did Ghostbusters 1 and 2, and there's so much Ghostbusters spin-off content to talk about. We're doing a bonus episode focusing on the real Ghostbusters animated show, Extreme Ghostbusters, or Ghostbusters Extreme animated show, and the recent Ghostbusters video game on uh, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, and Wii and PS2. It's on all the recent platforms. came out a few years ago. So, it came out last year ago. Okay, came out last year ago. Uh, this is your host, Uncle Milkshake. With me is Thrasher. Howdy. Uh, special guest, uh, BJ, returning from last week. Yo! And... Just Jersey Jason. <clears throat> I, for this one, I really couldn't find a name. Okay, and Jersey Jason. Maybe Kenner? Call me Kenner? No, that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were Mattel. Yeah. So, we usually start the show of... When is the first time you've seen the you saw the animated series uh, Real Ghostbusters? Uh, I because this was just be- before we go into it. Real Ghostbusters was an animated series based on the uh, Ghostbusters movies we've been covering on the show, and uh, it had 147 episodes and ran on ABC from 1986 till 1991. And one of the main uh, script writers, he was even a story editor on the show for a few years, was J. Michael Straczynski, who's better known for Babylon 5, which is a weird... And Rising movie. Stars, which was an amazing comic series. Oh, he has done a lot of comics, too. Yeah, he has a... Uh, is he doing Superman now for some... Chisel? I believe so. Yeah. Just how little I know about comics. But no, I mean, J. Michael Straczynski's done a lot of stuff. He recently wrote the uh, Clint Eastwood-directed movie starring Angelina Jolie called The Changeling. A phenomenal movie. Everyone should see it, regardless of whether or not it ever gets a sequel. It's not the movie that'll get a sequel, but yeah, it's pretty good. And uh, oh, I don't know. I can imagine one where like the kid comes back for revenge. No, that's when I felt the trailer really gave away a lot of the story. Um, but regardless, this is not the Changeling, Changeling cast. cast, right? Uh, this is uh, yeah, that's about the New World of Darkness game. This is the sequel cast. Check out our website, sequelcast.com. Send us an email, sequelcast at gmail.com. If you want to get, yeah, you know, if we ever run out of movies, we can always do role-playing games and get sequels. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the D and D movies will be in our future at some point. Those are oh god, those are something. It's way down. Yeah. Please, someone cast a ten-level wish spell and wish for us not to have to review those movies. Oh, I have both of them. And you can buy them in a two-pack now, so we have to do them. Can you? I didn't know that. That's fantastic. But like back... being shot in the face by a double-barreled shotgun loaded with ape feces. But, but back to Ghostbusters. Yeah, back to oh. Ghostbusters. Real <laughs> Ghostbusters. 
I saw this cartoon, like I've mentioned in the past few episodes, I lived overseas when I was younger. My grandparents would uh, tape Saturday morning cartoons on videotapes and mail them to us. And this was uh, Real Ghostbusters is one of the cartoons they had on there. So I saw, you know, probably a few dozen episodes total, but I'm certainly not any expert on the, the series, but I, I, I liked it. Yeah, I, I watched this show pretty frequently from the moment it started till probably 1990. I don't think I ever watched, the, I don't think I actually saw the last season. I think my enthusiasm for the show kind of petered out. Uh, after watching Ghostbusters 2 one too many times. As much as I like Ghostbusters 2 now, I didn't when I was younger. I think I've always kind of loved it. It's it's just, it kind of, it died off, and the, the extreme Ghostbusters just wasn't enough to bring it back. So I think it's always, and I know as soon as I saw it on DVD, I, I, in fact, I, in my hands right now, I have the first volume. That's episodes 1 through 30. That's a lot of episodes. Uh, I mean, you should watch, you should at least, if you don't go out and watch, buy the DVDs, you don't want to spend money, you can find the episodes on YouTube. There are very there are very many of them, um, such as No One Ever Comes to Lupusville, which is all about vampires, and and uh, the, the Day Before Halloween, and a whole bunch of the episodes that really, I guess, for me as a kid, they kind of fueled my supernatural bent. You know, I, want, I was really interested in the supernatural as a child, much to my parents' dismay. Um, but I really liked goblins and ghouls and things, and I always thought like how frightening or or just the adrenaline of of, of dealing with the occult. And this this show had like some really scary things in it, and some really interesting, cool ideas. Even re- referencing the Necronomicon in uh, Collect Call from. Uh, Collect call for Cthulhu. I mean, there's also very some creepy uh, ghost designs in the show. I think. Oh yeah, way too much. Like for a kid, some of these things will give you nightmares. Like the Oogie Boogie Man who had singing knees. <laughs> his knees would sing, and there were other things like there was the Sandman with his giant head. Oh, yeah, all the Sandman. You know, it's yeah. it's funny you mention that. The very first episode of Ghostbusters, I I believe I ever saw was Mr. Sandman's Dream Me a Dream, which was a first season episode where the villain is the Sandman who, who puts the citizens of New York to sleep. But then when, when, when they're asleep, whatever they dream becomes real, like this weird kind of astral projection. And I actually didn't see the final act of that episode for about two years after it originally aired because that episode scared the hell out of me. No, there was a lot of things that I think gave kids nightmares. And even in Extreme Ghostbusters... It was taken to a little higher design because, again, the, the, the animation was a little more crisper. If you look at it now, it's not so scary. You can see the flaws in the edit and the paint if you look closely enough or went to an art it's, college where you know people who did that. I think it's still kind of scary. Like I think the first one I remember is Dr. Doctor. It's where they get this ectoplasmic goo stuck on them. And it starts oozing out of their body after they wash it off, and they end up in the hospital. And that creeped me out, the fact this, like, goo was, you know, growing out of them. It kind of looked like Clayface by the end of it. Mm. You know, the one episode, oh, yeah, I remember that one. One episode that sticks out to me uh, from when I was younger, I can't recall the exact name of it, but somehow they, the Ghostbusters are in this abandoned Wild West town. Is that, that's not the one with the... the... The undead crow that keeps crowing, is it? You know, I don't remember 
has an or, undead is, or is it the one life? Is, was it the one that takes place in the Hollywood film studio where it's like the ghosts of actors who used to play cowboys and they're haunting an old west set? Is that the one? It might have been that one, but it just seemed there was just a lot of scenes of them walking through this empty wild west. Uh, I guess it must have been a set and just sort of very creepy and yet you still have that funny dynamic between all the different uh, Ghostbusters characters. Yeah, you know, it's not so funny now, but I remember as a kid finding the humor really dumb and funny, which is weird because you know who used to do the voice for Peter. Or, no, I'm sorry, not Peter. Um, yeah. Egon? No, no, I'm right. It is Peter. Peter Venkman, um, who was, of course, played by Bill Murray. Uh, Lorenzo Music played him in the first two seasons, but Dave Coulier... Um, from Full House, uh, that show on Nickelodeon. Out of of Control. Out of Control, thank you. And he would do, like, the voice of Popeye and all this stuff. He did voice work for the show. Well, you know why that happened? Why? I read an interview with Maurice LaMarche, who's a great, uh, voice actor who did the voice of, uh, Egon in the show. And he was mentioning how, uh, when Maurice LaMarche got the part for Egon... He was told in the audition not to sound like Harold Ramis, and he decided he was going to sound like Harold Ramis anyway. That's how he got the job. Yeah, I noticed that. He sounds just like Harold yeah. Ramis, despite his mullet. Right, and uh, so through the grapevine, after the show was on for a season or two, I guess the producers had heard Bill Murray complain about why the guy that does the voice for Peter Venkman, Bill Murray's character, sounds more like Garfield, while the guy they have for Egon sounds like <laughs> Harold Ramis. Wait, wait, wait. Didn't, didn't Bill Murray play Garfield in the Garfield movie? Ironically, yeah. Yes. Bill Murray did uh, the voice of Garfield in Garfield and Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties. So, oh. And suppo- according to Maurice LaMarche, he thinks because of that comment through the grapevine, that's what caused uh, Lorenzo Music to be fired and replaced by Dave Coulier, who I think still does a good job. They both sound fairly similar but lorenzo music had that cadence that uh you know if you were um at the right age to watch the real ghostbusters when it came on it's a fair bet you watched the garfield and friends cartoon as well yeah or at least i did and you know you got the the cartoon teen wolf the cartoon i don't recall that one oh yeah i it was that's another one that has a sequel that you should do too that is true jason bateman teen wolf 2 yeah I got a comment posted live to the Twitter feed from uh, people at a, another film podcast called Filmaholics.net. Are they listening now? Um, they did a live tweet to me, and they said they thought the real Ghostbusters cartoon is great, called it the Scooby-Doo of its time. Hmm. I can see that, only in this case the ghosts were usually real. That's tr- Yeah, it wasn't an old man pretending to be a ghost. <laughs> it really was an old man's ghost. But you know, it was the idea of the investigation that... You always have that funny thing like, oh, a portrait's watching them, but they don't know it. Or there are ghosts passing behind them, and they don't know it. They're just exploring a house. Yeah, so there certainly was that Scooby-Doo element. I mean, one thing they did on uh, real Ghostbusters that the Ninja Turtles also did is in the Ghostbusters movie, the Ghostbusters have the same color uniforms. But in the cartoon, each character has a different color uniform. And in Ninja Turtles, in the original comic, everyone had the same color um Headband. Bandanas. Or bandana, sorry. Headband, something uh, different, slightly. 
And then for the cartoon, you know, they all have the different colors for the headbands. But that helps you identify who they are at a distance. Well, it makes sense with turtles, but like with the Ghostbusters, they do give them each a real distinct looks. I like how everybody except for Peter Venkman kind of looks like who they are. Right. Don't you mean Egon? Because Egon bears no resemblance. I think he looks like if Harold Ramis had a blonde blonde pompadour, I think he would look exactly like that. No, he looks like if Iggy Pop had a blonde pompadour. He looks like Iggy Pop. But but Ray obviously has the the trademark gut of Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> he's got a weird shaped head. He doesn't have he doesn't have an Aykroyd like Aykroyd is kind of a pear shaped head, whereas uh, it's kind of rectangular like a tall head. When they were it's, not allowed to make the people look too much like the actors, or else they would have to pay for likeness rights. Yeah, I don't know, man. Winston looks pretty much like like uh, Ernie Hudson. Actually, you know it's really sad. Ernie Hudson actually did try out to play himself in the cartoon, but they chose Arsenio Hall. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Isn't that weird? You can't even get the part. I mean, granted, voice work is something different. Yeah. I'm Ernie Hudson! I'm Ernie Hudson! I'm saying I can't play myself in a cartoon! I got a uniform that I wore in the movie! (laughs) Now... Clear this up for me, because I thought when I saw Ghostbusters 2, I thought it was hallucinating things. What? In the first movie, doesn't Winston have a mustache, and doesn't he not have a mustache in the second movie? A man can shave, Uncle Milkshake. A man can shave. Here's also th- they look much younger in the cartoon. Yes, that's true. They're meant to be younger, so I guess we're not watching old men in the cartoon, because that'd be weird. That'd be like the original live-action Ghostbusters. Ah, uh, yes. I guess it's about time we mention that. So what was the original live-action Ghostbusters? Awful. Well, my friends, sit back and we'll tell you a tale. You see, there used to be an animation studio called Filmation. Uh, a lot of you who are, who are big into animation from the 70s and 80s, you probably will have heard of it. Uh, Filmation produced uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the animation for Ghostbusters and for She-Ra. Um, they were they were really good at doing ch- animation that was both cheap and preposterous. <laughs> well, they also dabbled in a bit of live action filmmaking. In 1975, they did a live action kid show called The Ghostbusters, starring Larry Storch, Forrest Tucker, and sci-fi and fantasy memorabilia collector and expert Bob Burns. And it was called The Ghostbusters. The Ghostbusters. No hyphens, no joining of the words. And they were detectives who investigated paranormal occurrences, panicked a lot, and ran away. And it's just like zany Keystone cops. And I guess this is what, what I should... Their, their characters... Uh, the characters' names are Jake Kong, uh, Eddie Spencer, and Bob Burns played Tracy the Gorilla. Just a gorilla that worked with these two detectives and had a beanie for a hat. They also made a cartoon of this, did they not? Yes. After the success of the Ghostbusters movie, now this is something that, to keep in mind, nothing unites the 1970s Ghostbusters and the 1980s Ghostbusters except the name. That's the only thing they have in common. Uh, and... So with the movie was such a big success, Filmation said, oh, well, let's revive the Ghostbusters. So they revived it as an animated show, and they kept the same formula. It's two detectives and a gorilla traveling the world, investigating paranormal occurrences. But 
it was it was fucking insane. Their main villain was like this evil cyborg ghost called Prime Evil. Uh, they they had a magic talking car that could fly and drill through the earth and and just sassed back at them all the time. Uh, they they had a woman from the future who would sometimes travel back in time and help them. Like it was it was like. It, it was you'd almost think the makers of that show were making stuff up uh, as it went along. And the other thing is, uh, we all know like transformation sequences in cartoons. You know, like He Man drawing a sword and transforming, or the or the sailors transforming on Sailor Moon, or uh, or Ben Ten transforming. Well, in the animated version of Ghostbusters, they also had a transformation sequence, and the transformation sequence was the best part of the show. They were like, <laughs> okay, we got a case. They'd high-five each other. The gorilla would run off to, I guess, warm up the car. Well, the Ghostbusters would jump into an elevator made out of human bones, which would then go through this elaborate undead Rube Goldberg machine with, like, giant skeletal hands and skulls that would put them into their Ghostbusting outfits, which were just kind of like safari outfits, and then dump them into the car. Best part of the show. I really feel like that's the best part. Yeah, the rest of the show couldn't live up to the awesomeness of that bizarre transformation sequence. Look it up on YouTube. Which, in Ghostbusters, they didn't really have... An ex- I should say, I'm sorry, I should preface that. The real Ghostbusters didn't have a transformation scene, but they did have when they would, like, get together, and I'm guessing they recycle this more than once, when they would flip on the uh, uh, the backpacks. Oh, yeah. yeah. looked the same and had the same kind of dark tint to it, and it was basically kind of their Sailor Moon moment. Oh, you know that's what we should. You know what? That's what we should call it whenever it shows up. We'll just call it the Sailor Moon moment. Well, um, isn't that really a trope? Yeah, it the is. transformation you sequence with the power animation. To, I mean, in Sailor Moon, that was an example of a of a cartoon where they spend five minutes of a twenty minute show with stock footage transformation sequences, but and attack sequences. God, yeah, right. But, and you know, at least you know that's better than Dragon Ball Z, where five minutes of the show. In real time, lasted 30 minutes. <laughs> hey, that's well, lots of charging. Although, Jersey Jason, you mentioned uh, referring to the 1980s animated series as the real Ghostbusters. It's interesting yes. that you mention that because there was a filmation at one point uh, got into uh, uh, got in, uh, oh. uh, sued the producers of the live-action Ghostbusters movie for use of the title Ghostbusters because they were developing the animated an animated series of their own. And when the legal... And I... I the whole legal issue got resolved. But... Um, I don't know how the whole legal issue got resolved. But in in the end, uh, court sided with the, with the producers of the 1980s Ghostbusters... And that is why it was called the real Ghostbusters, because legally it was determined to be the, the, the more accurate or realer of the two Ghostbusters series. Well, and the title is kind of like a fuck you in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Especially because, yeah, if there's going to be that other cartoon, which didn't last as long. No, no, no. But probably wrapped early in part because of the, the legal matters. Um, although... You know, now that I now that I think about it, for 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 setting whores and and uh, canon junkies, 
what if what if the title the real ghostbusters covers everything what if the animated ghostbusters are more real than the live action movie ghostbusters think about that when you think about continuity i watched an episode of the real ghostbusters off of youtube to refresh my memory and i saw one called um citizen ghost oh yes the one where slimer joins the ghostbusters right and it's weird because it's a sort of takes place after the first Ghostbusters movie, and in fact it's written by J. Michael Straczynski, and Peter Venkman talks to a reporter about what happened right when they defeated, uh, after they defeated Gozer, they went back to the Ghostbusters headquarters, take off their clothes, their uniforms that are covered with uh, Marshmallow Man and Gozer pieces, and instead of putting them in the laundry... It's like a breakfast cereal. Goes or pieces. Personal man and pieces. <laughs> if someone asks you if you want a healthy breakfast, you say yes. yes. <laughs> it's funny, like I, I actually identify the taste of breakfast marshmallows with Ghostbusters the cereal. Now, what was that cereal like? It was like it was kind of like Lucky Charms, except it had yeah. little ghost marshmallows, and they were just disgusting. <laughs> it was exactly but like you, Lucky anyway because it was Ghostbusters the cereal. All breakfast marshmallows are disgusting. Yep. <laughs> Colorful, sugar-coated rocks. But yeah. back to the secret origin of Slimer. Right, yeah. So in this episode of Citizen Ghost, they talk about how Slimer just shows up at the Ghostbusters place, and they really don't like him that much. Egon kind of wants to experiment on him. Peter... Well, does, does he come from the goo on their outfits? No, no, but it's good you mention that, because the, the goo on their outfits... It's next to the containment unit they keep the ghost in, and there's some leak they fail to seal in the containment unit. So a bit of stuff drips out onto their suits, and their Ghostbusters uniforms are reanimated with ghostly versions of themselves that are green, talking a distorted voice, and start wreaking havoc. It's a pretty, uh, pretty creepy effect. So again, not much tying into the first film, but at least if they even mention the film at all, it, the films at all is pretty unusual for the series. I believe that's one of the episodes that you can find on the Ghostbusters 2 DVD. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it has um, Citizen Ghost and um, another one, something that references Ghostbusters 2. There's some... Well, th- there was a later episode where, where they actually had like stored slime from the Vigo the Carpathian incident, as I think they referred to it, which, as I, remember, as I recall, they coat Peter with it. So that he will show up, because he's covered in the slime, he will show up as a ghost to the senses of other ghosts. And they use him to sort of infiltrate this gathering of specters. Yeah, that's exactly the episode. I don't um, don't recall the name. But is, is there an episode or two of the show that sticks out for you guys? I really like the one that takes place at the animation studio where the, um, the, the uh, Walt Fleischman or whatever his name is gets sucked into his little animation viewer. And there's all the, the creepy, the crazy, zany... I guess because I just watched Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So it, that episode starts sticking out in my mind. is The inventiveness, the things that they would have the Ghostbusters do, besides ghosts themselves. Oh, wow. I just found out. I found something really... Wow. Yes. What? A, a, a season 3, episode 4, called The Boogeyman is Back. Egon Spangler's Fear of Death from the World Trade Center has tempted the boogeyman to come back from hiding. That can't be right. Oh. That can't be. Wait, is it? That well, let's, can't be right. In what season? Season three. 
season three. I, I don't remember this episode, but his fear of death from falling off the World Trade Center. I don't I don't know what the episode. No, I, I I remember. Uh, yeah, I remember about that because in the in the first Boogeyman episode, they create some sort of dimensional flux thing or whatever that seals the Boogeyman in his pocket dimension. But and the thing is, in the Boogeyman's dimension, there's all these like doorways that he can use to enter children's closets and frighten them. Uh, and as I recall, yeah, Egon feels a fear so intense that it reopens his door in the Boogeyman's dimension, and that's how the Boogeyman comes back for revenge. I guess uh, there's another one um, that I like, just because it has a great name to it, and I'd love to run. I'd love to run a game like this. It's called The Haunting of Heck House. Based basically on the idea of the haunting of Hell House, um, which is about a group of people that are, they can earn money by staying in a haunted house overnight. Uh, it's also there's um, oh no that's uh, the house on haunted hill. Hell House was the one with students, it was Hill House. A Hill House, yeah, it was the one with students uh, doing research on a haunted house. This one tells the story of how the Ghostbusters could have earned a million dollars by staying in a haunted house overnight without their proton packs. And I think there was something... The house was pretty bad. There's another one that has a house that has a hole in it, and they wind up... That, oh, I was going to bring that one up, where the, for it. where the hole keeps getting bigger and the monster keeps getting bigger. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was... Oh, that how, was do you, how do you defeat a hole? You put a smaller one inside. Throw a hole in a hole, and it becomes a black hole, and it sucks everything into it. What I, what I loved is how freaky Ray got in that episode where his hair turns white and he starts talking all high-pitched and creepy. Oh, it was great. Now, isn't the one with all the Citizen Kane references, too? It might be. It's been forever since I've seen that one. I I can't. I need to get volume two uh, of the real Ghostbusters, which is available now. And can I talk a little bit about Extreme Ghostbusters? Well, I, well can I talk about some episodes that have stuck with me? Sure. Oh, well, I'm sorry, yes. And, uh, and there's... there's a lot. I'll try not to go into too much. I'll try to be as brief as possible. First, right off the bat, I love, love, love the People Busters episode, where like this wormhole opens over Central Park, and the Ghostbusters are called in to investigate. They get sucked through, and they're deposited in this weird, supernatural, flip, bizarro world of New York, Boo York the Big Pumpkin, where it's all the citizens are ghosts, and they have a group of people called the People Busters who imprison people. And, like, instead of using proton packs, they use slime packs. And when they and the People Busters containment unit, it's like this giant mouth they would throw people in. But, in, but inside their containment unit was basically the Elysian Fields. It was like this paradise. It was like this beautiful plane. Hmm. Um, of, of course, the Sandman episode, because it terrified me. And it was so, and, you know, I, I considered it a rite of passage when I finally saw the full episode without flinching. Um... As, of course, I've, I've mentioned before, I'm a tremendous fan of H.P. Lovecraft and the Cthulhu mythos, and there's they did two H.P. Lovecraft episodes. They did, of course, the Collect Call of Cthulhu, where the Cthulhu cult steals the Necronomicon and tries to raise their lord and master, who they are somehow able to summon out of the East River. Um, and they did another one where Egon goes to give a, a lecture at Miskatonic University, and the Necronomicon gets stolen, and that episode just had two things I loved. One was that, like, the idea that the Necronomicon was such an evil book, you couldn't say its name without inviting misfortune. And so no one would say its name out loud except for Peter Venkman. Mm-hmm. And 
And he's like, uh, we can't say the name out loud. Why? What's the name? And Egon whispers it in his ear, Necronomicon? And then, like, all the windows in the building shatter. Like, that keeps happening. He keeps saying the name and something goes wrong. Um, and then, just, there's, like, one episode that I just thought was, was twisted. There's a really fucked up episode where there's an old man, this old rich guy in a wheelchair who... who he he doesn't he he basically wants to take his wealth with him when he dies, so he turns his this building that he owns into this giant machine that he's using to like he he obviously knows he's not going to heaven, so he has this big machine that he's using to he's turned all of his assets into gold and he's teleporting it into the netherworld. I guess with the idea being that when he dies, he'll be there. But it creates all these paranormal distortions, and the Ghostbusters have to stop his machine before it turns New York inside out with the netherworld. And all throughout that episode, like inanimate objects are coming to life as they get infused with, with spiritual energy. And the old man is just this creepy, ghoulish monster bent by greed who just does not care that while he's teleporting his material to the to the netherworld, an equal amount of ectoplasmic life is swarming into New York to to take its place. Uh, I guess I guess those are the episodes that really stuck with that really stuck with me. That when I think of Ghostbusters, those are the ones I think of first. The one episode, uh, and I guess two other things that, that I did like was that the Ghostbusters in their way could be topical. There was an episode of Ghostbusters where Peter Venkman basically wanted to open Al Capone's vault. Hmm. And it was, just a, yeah, it was just a yeah. big parody of when Geraldo did that. And, like, they meet the ghost of Al Capone, but in the end they open the vault, and, of course, there's nothing in it. And then the other one, which is a lot less sharp and actually kind of embarrassing, they did it uh, right when The Simpsons started. I can understand that when The Simpsons started, a lot of people were skeptical of it. Hell, there's a lot of people skeptical of it now, and it's been on for 20 years. Um, but they did an episode, like, like as a parody of The Simpsons, where, like, these badly drawn cartoon ghosts that look like the Simpsons manifest and just kind of fuck up the Ghostbusters headquarters. Really? Yeah, and I, I, guess, I guess, like, the thing is, is, like, it's their, like, that episode, the Simpsons ghosts are based around what the Simpsons detractors thought the Simpsons were and not what the Simpsons actually were. They fed into all those stereotypes. Oh, it's just a cartoon about a foul-mouthed family. It don't mean nothing when, in fact, it is one of the greatest expressions of American satire in the latter half of the 20th century. Now, one of the things I, I, I think should be mentioned, too, is Ghostbusters, the real Ghostbusters was actually a very family-friendly adventure show. It, you didn't have the kind of violence you would see, you know, even in the Ninja Turtles, which was somewhat comical, but you, you still had physical, you know, physical. Yeah, but you had these horrible monsters, like, eating children and doing horrible things in houses and... And yeah, you had comical ghosts that looked awful and had terrible teeth. Well, you, I don't know, you know though, it taught a valuable lesson, though. It taught that through reason and science, tools and talent, you can under, overcome any obstacle or crisis, no matter how initially frightening. Or you can just call the Ghostbusters. Who, yeah, who will do that stuff for you? Yes. It's, uh, it's worth mentioning... Thing. Oh, go on. Well, I just want to say also it's interesting that in the last of the season, like Slimer became kind of a breakout star for the for the show. Exactly. Um, and there were so many toys and stuff that came out, and even a Slimer comic. There were real Ghostbuster comics. There was that Slimer, Slimer icy fruit punch. He started doing like Garfield esque 
um, little uh, vignettes at the end of the shows, like little small, like three minute cartoons. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, got him in a mail sounding, um, sounding ghost guy. Yeah, but I mean, like, uh, how many of us? How many of us? And how many of you out there listening, audience? Uh, how many of you guys owned a toy or not? I, who owned it? Who owned yeah, a toy? I did. I, I, I had a. Go on. I got all four. All four Ghostbusters. The car. The the helicopter. Ecto two. Got the proton pack. The trap. The only thing I didn't have that I always wanted, my mom and dad would not buy for me, was the firehouse. Instead, I got another play toy firehouse and a Ghostbusters sticker. Wow. wow. That's pretty I cool. I got the. Let's see. Okay, I had the Ghostbusters. Um, proton one that like would project a picture onto a wall. Oh god! Uh, uh, you know what? I, I had actually had to make a costume once. Uh, it became my first board. That's sad because that would be kind of every toy that we have would have been worth money, except of course to get them out of the bag, out of the boxes. Um, I had the I had the Janine with the like cloth skirt, which she no longer has. How did uh, that happen, Jason? I still have it. I don't know. As a kid, I used to have like any action figure of a girl. I don't know why I'd look up their skirts, but I did. I you had, never know. There's bound to be one that's anatomically correct. I had Janine. I also had um, Missy Yvonne from uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse, which still has her skirt, and oddly enough, is still in good condition. Um, but yeah, and I had like I had the monsters that they fought, like uh, this mailman that turned into a mailbox monster. They had transforming toys. Yeah, the main uh, action figure I recall that I had, I remember my uh, mom got it for me, I think, right when I was going to move from Pennsylvania to Argentina. And it, it was a uh, an action figure of Egon, where his arm, you know, one of his arms kind of stuck out to the side, and you pushed it in, and his jaw dislocated really low, like his, his jaw dropped, hey, and his tongue stuck out really far i've got that i've got that one in my box you want you want it for your for your wedding present uh yeah maybe that'd be i mean well, you know, but i have it sure well you know what that was they had a whole line of they i think they were called like fright faces where it was all the ghostbusters doing fright takes yeah and i think they so did I actually think that, that was one of the better toy lines ever put out for uh, for a cartoon show yeah, they were pretty good toys, and they were like cra- they were um, uh, sculpted really well. Uh, they held up to pretty rigorous. I had a Slimer that uh, ran for a couple of years. It was like one of those wind up. Uh, you're not wind up, but you pull back and it goes zoom in wherever. Um, yeah, most of my Ghostbusters stuff. I look at them; they're still in good condition. Mm. So, speaking of which, my parents still have my old Proton Pack. Oh, uh, wow. It's in it's in storage. It along with the it's uh, if there are any buyers out there, uh, here comes another plug from Thrasher. Uh, it is among the classic uh, fandom memorabilia that that my family and I will be auctioning off at some point. And Thrasher has more you know plugs Thrasher. than he knows what to deal with. And next, now next year when we do that Ghostbusters game at Origins, you're gonna have to have it with you because I'm gonna bring mine. Okay, I'll I'll get it up. Yeah, for those uh, those of you who really want to get a head start, Origins 2011, Origins the gaming convention, 
uh, Candlefish Productions. We're going to be doing a Ghostbusters LARP. Book Let's now. We die. Um, but actually, speaking of like proton packs and stuff, um, uh, when, when Ghostbusters first came on and it and it, uh, and it was you know big and really popular, uh, you know I I couldn't get the toys and you know we we couldn't my, we we couldn't get the toys. Uh, a lot of them weren't available and a lot of them were expensive. You know we had we had you know money troubles of our own. You know I, I had a. In, in, in uh, a younger brother who had just come into the world, so we couldn't we couldn't be spending money on particle accelerators. So what I did is, when I first got into Ghostbusters, I made my own proton pack, and I remember exactly what it was made out of. It was an egg carton. It was an old egg carton for the backpack, the old wood pulp kind. Uh, a belt to hold it on my back. A strap from an old umbrella that connected from the egg carton to a cardboard tube which had a pipe cleaner sticking out of the front for the, the proton stream. That's cool. I love it. It's, it's and, perfect. It's, and it it's, didn't it's, end it's there. I, I made my own versions of almost every piece of equipment the Ghostbusters used. I made my own PKE meter and I had it hinged with some brads so like the meters would actually go up and down. I also made stuff out of Legos. Oh, it was a great time. Kids, you... Kids and parents, you don't need to spend a lot of money on toys. Anything you could ever want to play with, you can make yourself. You can have fun doing it. So with that in mind... Let's, let's do it together as a, as, a, as a project. Speaking of playing, let's talk about the, uh, let's talk about the video game. What about Extreme Ghostbusters? Well, well, I should, should also yeah, mention that there was a role-playing game put out by West End Games... That is extremely hard to find. It is a very big collector's edition. Did they only do one really book of it, or uh, there were actually a number of supplements? They had a uh, Tobin Spirit Guide, all kinds of uh, uh, just like they did the the Star Wars treatment. Right. Uh, they did so much for Star Wars. They did a lot for Ghostbusters expanded universe. So when yeah, we... they had a lot of material. Let's talk about Extreme Ghostbusters for a minute before going on to the video game. Okay, it was an updated version. Let uh, not a reboot of the series but a sequel technically it is a sequel it yes. still follows the original idea that oh there were these ghostbusters it even has egon as one of the characters but as a mentor role which i believe is also what's being done for the next movie well isn't isn't egon the only original ghostbuster who returns for extreme ghostbusters there's a, technically they all come back once there's a two part like, finale back in the saddle where they all come back but it is Egon as a mentor and all the spiritual activity in New York has gone flatlined so there was no need for Ghostbusters anymore so what happens is, is something is released by some New York subway workers and Egon has to instead of calling his old friends and trying to find them he has to hurry he gets his students to do extra credit Basically, yeah. And oddly enough, Janine's one of his students, because she went back to school to further her career. I guess they don't need secretaries in New York. Yeah, but no, she becomes she goes back to being a secretary. Um, <laughs> for the Ghostbusters. For course credit. But, of course, Slimer's there, the old uh, firehouse is there, except it's Eduardo, Kaylee, and... Kaylee and... Roland. Just two other guys. And Roland Garrett. Wasn't Roland the guy in the wheelchair? Yeah. Uh, no, no, Garrett. Garrett wheelchair. Okay, okay uh, good, because that would just be a horrible, horrible pun. 
Roland's the black. The token black guy? Yes. Yeah. Wait, so the token black guy is named Roland? I think that almost is worse. And he's actually voiced by Alfonso Robiero. Oh, God. No, no, who is? You know who that is? No. Like Carlton Banks in the television sitcom Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh. I have to say, I still to this day have a big crush on Kaylee. Or Kylie yeah. or whatever her. That's, that is a lot. Uh, everybody knows, like, that's kind of where uh, you get that goth thing for her, and she totally, wow. Yeah. yeah. No, hey, hey, though. Imagine Kaylee from Extreme Ghostbusters and Kaylee from Firefly and Kaylee from Serenity making out. Um, is it Kaylee from Firefly and Kaylee from... Well, I guess you're right. Well, actually, here's something. That, um, that is the, interesting this is actually funny, BJ, that you mentioned that. Um, uh, Kaylee is voiced by uh, Tara Strong, who also did the voice between uh, the voice of Batgirl. Who is also really hot. I can oh, go on about hot cartoon characters. He also does the voice for Ben Tennyson. That freaks me out, but I do like. Yeah. I do think uh, Ben's uh, cousin Gwen is pretty hot. I watched part of an episode of Extreme Ghostbusters to prepare. I didn't watch uh, the show when it was originally on TV in uh, late '97, but um, I did. The new theme song in Extreme Ghostbusters makes me cringe. Really? Yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, it's the old Ghostbusters theme, but redone to be more. Uh, Edgy? Yeah. Edgy, yeah, the edgy's a good word for it. Not a good word, but it is a word. Yep. Yeah, the, I, I think I only ever saw one episode of Extreme Ghostbusters, at least one, one that I remember. I've heard that there's one about, there's an Extreme Ghostbusters episode about Cthulhu. I've never seen that confirmed. I remember an episode where, like, the Sphinx goes on a rampage, and, like, if you can't answer the Sphinx's riddle, you get turned to... Something, some curse gets thrown on you. But the episode that I did see from beginning to end was an episode where, like, it was like this wish-granting spirit or demon who, as I recall, was voiced by Jonathan Harris, uh, who we all know as Dr. Smith from Lost in Space, the original one, not that movie one. That, that one is a lie. Um, and, like, he would come up and, like, you know, if you, and if in his presence you said, boy, I wish, you know, et cetera, the, he would make the wish come true, but of course in a horrific and ironic way. So if you said, I wish I was the brightest student in the class, you'd turn into a lamp. Or, uh, wow, I... It's uh, on fire. I, the, episode, the episode's called Be Careful What You Wish For. Yeah, yeah. Salesman. And, and, as I, and, and what I really liked about this, and I've always wanted to like pull this in like a fantasy role-playing game, because he keeps granting his wish, and so the way he's defeated is that... Uh, Kaylee goes goes up to him and just looks him in the eye and says, I wish you wouldn't grant my wish. And the paradox of that wish destroys them. Or banishes them or something. That sounds like something that the uh, King of Genies would do. You know what? You know what, uh, D&D players, when you end up in a position where, where your character gets a wish, make that wish, because there's no way the GM can screw you on it. Unless, of course, your wish somehow destroys all space and time. The one thing I do like about Extreme Ghostbusters, it had creepier-looking creatures. Um, it was a much sharper kind of animation style. It was very much like the Men in Black animation style. It may have had the same des- uh, design head designer, but again, but different color palettes. And I also liked. Uh, I like. I always loved the music from the first one, and this one kind of had the same feel. Uh, with the music, and it just, 
I love the new equipment, especially the trap. I love the circular, almost... Attack trap. Uh, yeah. It just, it has a great look to it, and I actually was looking online for the toys, and sadly, I mean, I, I should have gotten them when they were first out, because it's really hard to find them on eBay, but I want that trap. I want to build that trap. There are all these plans out there for the old Proton Packs, the the Ghost Trap, the Wands, everything, but there's nothing based off the cartoon series that I can find. I have to find some kind of mechanism that would allow me to do... Because it looks it almost like... kind of cool to build, to build the equipment based on the, the animated designs as opposed to the real designs. Yeah. Just to freak out the other Ghostbusters. Like, you might be Ghostbusters. We're the real Ghostbusters. Or you, <laughs> we're the extreme Ghostbusters. Ugh. And then there'll be a weird kind of three-way gang war. Yeah. And guys, don't you understand? It used to be about the Ghostbusting. Now it's about what franchise you're part of. Doesn't shouldn't it be enough that Bustin makes you feel good? Yeah, write that down, BJ. <laughs> that whole speech. That's how we'll break up the fights. <laughs> you know, we you're right. We should put that into uh, we should put that into the LARP. Yes, we should, especially about the franchises. So, um, yeah, speaking of crazy franchises, um, have any of you guys seen any of the um, any fan films? I've, Ooh, I've oh, seen yeah. uh, the, the Freddy versus the Ghostbusters, which was pretty fun. That was a lot of fun. They actually made a sequel using that same cast, uh, and it was much more Ghostbuster-y. It felt more like a, a real Ghostbusters episode than it felt like a crazy homage to Freddy Krueger and Matrix movies. And stuff. It's definitely a, a good one to look into. There's also a really a short like clip-style one called uh, Bustin' Makes Me Feel Good. <laughs> or it's basically a guy, two guys, two Ghostbusters sitting on the curb, like drinking beer after a bus because they're all covered in slime, and some douchebag walks up to, "Hey man, you guys are Ghostbusters, yeah." Oh hey, okay, and he farts, and he's like, oh, I got some paranormal vapors for you, and then so they shoot him with the proton packs, and he's <laughs> laying there like he's been tased, twitching. Hey, I think we need more beer. All right. <laughs> It, well, you it's know, a great little short. Well, you know, um, what I what I liked was I guess, I guess like like in two recent films, in Be Kind Rewind, Jack Black and Most Deaf like recreate Ghostbusters Ooh. in like a real cheap fan film version. But they do something very similar in Zombieland, where and okay, jump ahead five minutes if you haven't seen Zombieland, because I'm gonna give this pony away. Where they they go they go to zombified Los Angeles and break into Bill Murray's mansion, but Bill Murray's still alive, and they hook up with Bill Murray and like have fun in his mansion pretending to be Ghostbusters. And what's fucking great about that is Woody Harrelson's character is wearing Bill Murray's costume from Ghostbusters with the proton pack, and Bill Murray is just wearing his casual clothes with the vacuum cleaner on his back as his proton pack. Mm. <laughs> Oh, but also, uh, if you go to channel101.com, there's a failed pilot buried in their archives called SOS Fantôme, where it's what Ghostbusters would be like if it had been a French art film. And it's really funny. It's just it's about these French guys who are experts at expelling ghosts, and they form a group called SOS Fantôme. It's really there's, good. 
there's also a um, there's also a steampunk Ghostbusters uh, group. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of them right off the bat, but it, it it's there's been a lot of people trying to steampunk that technology because the idea been, of your own proton. There have been people trying to steampunk every goddamn thing. I'm honestly shocked. I've never seen steampunk's uh, Star Trek. I think that's the only thing I haven't seen. You're right. I think that is the only thing I've seen. Star Wars, but not Star Trek. I bet I could steampunk it. I bet you know what though. Any communicator that anybody tries to make in a steampunk fashion, like a steampunk cell phone, that is Star Trek. Because think about it. It's like it's like um, Lewis Black says. We've got computers in our hands that we can talk to anybody in the world. We're living in Star Trek. There are cell phones and iPads and iPhones and yeah. They never would have thought that technology would be possible in William Shatner's lifetime. And it is. Well, he's not dead. He's still alive. Yeah, I know. And hopefully we'll have teleportation before he dies. William Shatner's going to be in a new sitcom based off the, uh, tweeter, uh, the Twitter feed, uh, Shit My Dad Says. I don't think that's going to be the title. It's called Bleep My Dad Says, I think. Is it really called Bleep? I, I, well, I well that's... Well, so. There was rumors that they were going to make it Stuff My Dad Says... But then at one point, uh, they did a press release about it, and it was going to be shit my dad says, only it wasn't like they didn't actually have the word shit. They had like the swearing symbols, but it was dollar sign, numeral sign, exclamation point, uh, plus sign, I believe, were the symbols they used. Well, back to Ghostbusters. Yes! That's a good segue for you, listeners. In games. In 2009, summer 2009, Atari Games came out with Ghostbusters the Video Game, which is a uh, video game based on the Ghostbusters that actually features voice work from all the main people in the movies, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, Ernie Hudson, Brian Doyle Murray, Annie Potts, William Atherton. The only one that they could not get to come back was Rick Moranis. Which is a shame. I would have liked to have seen him again. That would have been good. Um, the hardest video game for the Nintendo Entertainment System was Ghostbusters 2. Oh, I played that for the Nintendo... Yeah, the it's, old Nintendo. It, it is the only game I have never beaten. Ghostbusters 2, was uh, the first level in, in most games uh, that are like Mario Brothers style, you go from left to right. This one, you're going right to left. And and then the car ones, man. The, when you had to freaking jump the pits in, the, in Ecto-1. Oh my god. It was a real one-hit-and-you-die sort of game. Very unforgiving. Yeah, like, what, oh. die back to the beginning die, not not just to the beginning of the level. Like, it was hardcore. Yeah, I just had to bring that up. No, thanks. I hadn't thought about that in a while. Uh, but this newer Ghostbusters, uh, the video game, I think the title is kind of misleading. I mean, it does feature Ghostbusters. It is a video game. But... I almost wish it would have been called Ghostbusters 3 or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, it really might as well be the third installment of the of the films, except you just happen to be able to play the third film. The story, at the beginning at least, is similar to the original movie in as much as you're going to some of the same locations. Is that right? Well, well what it is is I've, I've played this game to completion, and at first I do need to say it's a, it's a, very, it's a good game, if you're a Ghostbusters fan, it's a great game. Uh, I I adored this game. Um, and one of the nice things they do is like uh, the, the the whole the whole setup is that there's an exhibit of 
Gozerian artifacts at the, at, a, at the museum in New York, and some artifact gets disturbed and it releases this, this psychic energy pulse, and that's kind of what kicks off the, the main plot of the game. But uh, what it is is you play the fifth Ghostbuster. You play the new guy, the rookie, the, as Egon Spangler refers to you, the experimental equipment technician. Uh, they give you all the dangerous new stuff they're working on, and you use it in the field to make sure it's safe. And, like, the Ghostbusters get calls, they go out to bust ghosts, and you go along with the Ghostbusters, and, you know, the, and you're helping them bust ghosts. And sometimes you're on your own, sometimes the team gets split up, but it's really great. I mean, it's, it's like you're really there busting ghosts with your four favorite paranormal problem solvers. And, I don't work for this company. I'm not trying to sell it. I realize that sounded like a, a pitch, but that is how I feel about this game. But yeah, well, early on, the psychic a Slimer is a character in this game, and he's a, and he's a lot like he is in uh, in the animated series. He's a ghost that hangs out with the Ghostbusters. Only uh, and they Egon uses him for experimentation to test equipment, and he actually is kept in his own special kind of containment aquarium. And the psychic energy pulse shorts out the containment unit. So a ghost gets loose in the basement of the Ghostbusters firehouse, which you have to help them capture. That's your first bust. But then Slimer escapes. And what does he do? He goes back to his old haunt, the, the, Alhambra, the, the Alhambra Hotel hotel Ballroom. And so you go back to the old hotel, and you search through the hotel, and you... You, you get to play the fight to capture Slimer. And then after that point, the game kind of goes off on its own direction. Like, the capturing Slimer in the ballroom, which you thoroughly trash, by the way, is the only bust outright recreated from the earlier films. All the other busts are new. However, you do get the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man back. And there is a reason for it. And as the game unfolds, you find out what caused the psychic energy pulse, why the Stay Puft Marshmallow came back. You learn the true origin of the River of Slime from Ghostbusters 2. And you learn that uh, you learn that Evo Shandor's cult still survives and is still trying to catalyze the end of the world. That's funny. You, you mentioned about, uh, about not trying to plug it. It was actually done by two different companies, depending on what platform it was put on. That's Which is kind true. of sad. The PC version gets the crappy Wii version. Like, they don't get the nice graphics of the uh, Xbox or PS3, which most PCs nowadays can handle the same or better. That's true. They did do a, a tweaked version for the PC, the Wii, and the PlayStation 2. I'm more specifically talking about the version for the Xbox 360, as that is the one I played. Which is one of the reasons, only, that, that game is one of the few reasons I'm considering getting an Xbox. Well, actually, another thing I want to consider: it has multiplayer, and 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 uh, remember, I was computer gaming when multiplayer, when internet multiplayer first began, and there was a there was a period where when when Doom's multiplayer proved to be so successful, there was a period where game developers were just trying to cram multiplayer into every game they could, whether it could support it or not. And so a lot of games came out that were pretty good that had shitty, shitty multiplayer. And when I heard that Ghostbusters was going to have multiplayer, I was real skeptical about that. I half-over played a lot of the multiplayer. The multiplayer really holds up. 
uh, in, there's no like deathmatch in Ghostbusters multiplayer. Instead, you play out these short scenarios. There's a survival scenario where you're just trying to survive a, a wave after wave of ghost attack. There are where you capture the ghosts as, as they attack you. There's uh, there's uh, a, a time-based one where you have to set up these paranormal energy dispersal towers and have to protect them from ghosts, and you have to get all of them charged up. There's a thief version where ghosts will try to steal relics from you, and you have to stop them from stealing them. Uh, it's and it's it's really fun, and you have different arenas based on different environments from the video game, such as a cemetery, a high-rise building, uh, the streets of New York. I like that it's a co-op multiplayer, and I think that 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 speaks a lot to Ghostbusters itself being a a very teamwork-oriented you know property. Oh yeah, yeah, the, it's really great. Like when a team member goes down, you can revive them. Uh, it's the the teamwork works pretty well. The only thing that's kind of annoying is. Every Ghostbuster has their own ghost trap that you can set out to trap ghosts. And one thing that's really annoying is if is if there's th- is if there's more than one in multiplayer. If there's two, if there's any more than one trap out, all too often you'll get a ghost captured in your proton stream, and then it turns into a tug of war as far as whose trap the ghosts go in. Now I'm a good sport. I don't care whose trap the ghosts go in as long as it goes into a trap. But come on, if I've got, if the ghost is almost in the trap, don't yank it out and try to move it over <laughs> to yours. We got ghosts to bust, people. Um, yeah, and it's not a good a, sense of humor. It's it's the, the humor's really sharp. I was just giggling at the one-liners and all the antics. I mean, it, it does feel like you're in the Ghostbusters movies. Well, and Dan Aykroyd and Harold, Harold Ramis had a hand in the script, but um, it was also written by other people as well. Uh, oh, yeah, there were game content writers as well. Yep. What were you going to say, Jason? No, I'm just saying we're not affiliated with any of the companies. But we're glad to like help people out if they if they want to know about the game and they're listening to us and are willing to take our advice. Pick it up. Well, you can almost consider it a sequel. You know, another like We're saying, go play the game just like we, we want you to go watch these movies and, and understand what we're talking about here. Well, that's true. And I mean, and on some level, this might be the closest we come to a third Ghostbusters film if the third one ever gets made. I mean, they've been talking there's been talks about a Ghostbusters three for well over a decade. Oh, weird! Um, there actually was a nod to uh, one of the Freddy vs. Ghostbusters fan film in the video game. In the firehouse, there is a a, a crayon drawing. Uh, it says to Uncle Egon from Ed, and uh, Ed Spangler is one of the characters in uh, Freddy vs. Ghostbusters. Oh, that's right. Hmm. Uh, yeah, there's actually a lot of references to other Ghostbusters things. Like there's in uh, in the Vigo in the Ghostbusters in the firehouse. firehouse, yeah, there's Vigo's portrait, and you can interact with it, and he'll taunt you, and then he'll ask you to help help let him out of the painting. Apparently, <laughs> in, in the video game, apparently the painting turned reverted back to its old self. The power of Vigo. Oh, cool. Good because that other painting was ugly. But you can buy both paintings. Um, if you go online, you can get them in poster form, uh, which is actually pretty neat. Just to have a you know, I'd love to have that in like holograph form. You know, where like you look at it from one angle and then the other. Hmm, that'd be a wicked cool. Now there is some really cool like swag coming out nowadays for uh, yeah. Like I've seen uh, proton pack backpacks uh, coming out pretty recently. Yeah, I guess the, the the Ghostbusters merchandising machine is still going strong. In fact, uh, this year at the at the national party chain that I work for, we are actually carrying Ghostbusters costumes for man, woman, and child. 
Now, does that include the sexy lady Ghostbusters yes. costume? Yes, woman. It is the sexy lady costume. There is a regular like Ghostbuster one for kids and for uh, men. Okay, if you if you want to know how big of a geek I am, and I know you do, ladies. Um, okay, uh, uh, I'm I'm living in Lexington, Kentucky right now, and in Lexington, Kentucky, there's a yearly horror festival called Scarefest, and it's dedicated to to horror movies, supernatural movies, and uh, and like actual ghost hunting and things like that. And a lot of people show up in costume. We had lots of Ghostbusters last year, especially at the the costume ball uh, that, that Scarefest did. And there was a woman in the sexy lady Ghostbuster outfit, with like the short shorts and the low cut V neck, and uh, and she had fishnet stockings on with it, and like this this sexy Ghostbusters hat. And she had a Slimer. She had the original Slimer puppet with her, but she had the proton pack. And the proton pack that comes with it is like this little rubber inflatable proton pack, and. It's actually and, a purse, but it's upside down. Oh my gosh, it's made that way? Because all I could yes, think is... Yes, it's actually made that way. Because like, I looked at her high heels, I'm like, oh yeah, I start looking up, oh yeah, see the butt, oh yeah, <laughs> get to the proton pack, oh, she's got it on wrong. No, and it's actually made incorrectly, which is my big gripe with that costume. How could they do that? Because they don't know the Ghostbusters IP. They're just a licensed product. Hmm? Is it an officially licensed costume? Yes, it is an officially licensed product, and it is made wrong. Wow. Like, that's when you have one of those Wildcats things saying you're doing it wrong. I mean, the thing is, if you did that, <laughs> you would in- if you wore it upside down, you would inverse the polarization of the Heisenberg resonator, and, and you would not be able to focus your the beam then. Did you just roll on the Technobabble chart for that? <laughs> the Technobabble chart in my mind. Cool. Well, uh, it's we've been running this for a while. We've talked a lot about the both animated series and the video game. So, I think to wrap this up, Jason, what is the next series of movies we're going to be covering on the sequel cast? Well, frankly, I mean, I wanted to hold off on this, but I think now's a good time since it's my pick. Um, I'd like to do the original Batman movies, not counting the Christopher Nolan movies. So, what do you define or, as the original Batman? Um, I go Batman, Michael Keaton to um, uh, Batman and Robin. Robin with George Clooney. So just those yeah, what about uh, what about the original um, the original original one with Adam West? Uh, Adam West. You know what we can, but I almost feel like I really want to start with Michael Keaton because I want it, it starts so strong, and by the end it's quite ridiculous. Well, well, you know what? Maybe we should do, maybe we should save the Adam West Batman movie for the end, and we'll make that our bonus episode. Okay. Sure, and we can talk about the TV show and stuff, right? Yeah, then we and can the end on a high note. The, yeah. yeah, I guess, yeah, because again, spinoffs and such. But I really want to talk about Tim Burton and his style, and then all the awful stuff that came afterwards. Oh, yeah. yes. The shoe mockery. Sounds pretty good. That's pretty Ice good. out. Anyway, um... Pretty cool. All right, so stay tuned for oh. Batman next time on SequelCast. Um, oh, any last thoughts? Uh, check out the video game. Yeah. Watch the cartoon for nostalgic purposes. I actually haven't seen an episode in a while. And uh, go see go see's, uh, Return of the Ghostbusters and Freddy, Freddy vs. the Ghostbusters at BraxtonFilms.com. Uh, they're, they're worth your, your 30, 40 minutes. Actually, I think I think the uh, the Return of the Ghostbusters feature length. I think it's like an hour twenty. Really? Wow, that's pretty impressive. It's 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 close to an hour at least. Mm. 
I'd like to say buy the merchandise. And uh, come play our game at Origins. <laughs> Woo! There's my shameless plug. I'd like to say I remember liking real Ghostbusters a lot as a kid, watching an episode to freshen up for this show. It held up um, okay. I think, you know, some of the monster designs are all right. They're pretty neat. What was that? I still think they're creepy. Yeah, some are pretty creepy. The video game, I enjoy it. I'd like to beat it at some point. I rented it, um, you know, last year when it came out. So I'm sure I could get it for $10 or something now. Uh, Definitely check it out. At least get to the part where you get to see Ecto-8. Oh, yeah, I did not get that far. Did not get that far. Um, so until next time, this is Uncle Milkshake. Thrasher. BJ. And Jersey Jason. Sane. You got slimed. You're a pirate. You're a pirate. No. Space pirates. What's space pirates? Oh, okay. This is this will be a bonus for the bonus podcast. Um, there's a there's a there's a kid show on the BBC called Space Pirates, and it was like a kids music appreciation show. But like the theme was, it was space pirates looking for music to broadcast on their space pirate radio station, and they would get different like musical acts and like a lot of really interesting ones, like people from symphonies, people from bands, and but there is. I don't know the exact origin of this. Uh, the first I heard it was actually a DJ playing it. Uh, but the short of it is that a guy did a mashup. He took the tune from the theme from Ghostbusters, but he put in the lyrics from Space Pirates. So you, it starts out... Space Pirates! Captain DJ and the crew! And like, it's really funny. I'll send you the MP3. You can tag it on to the end of this.